In our house, there is there are, I should say, many battles that take place on a daily basis because we're two different people who like to do things two different ways. And so for 16 and a half years, we have been married and are learning to more and more become one and learn how to do things together well. But there are definitely some battles that continue to take place. Of course, my way is always right. Um, but one of the battles is loading the dishwasher. It drives me crazy how she loads the dishwasher. She puts all the utensils, like fork, top, and spoon top side down in the, the holder there, and it doesn't get washed like that, people. It doesn't get washed. And she'll even put, like, one spoon on top of another spoon, and so then, like, the back of this spoon's not getting washed. The inside of the... I have issues. I know. I have issues, all right? I get it. I get it. But that drives me nuts. But there's plenty of things that drive her nuts about me, too. Uh, laundry, she, she hates the way I fold laundry. Uh, towels, I've gotten... I can't tell you how many hundreds of lectures on towel folding I've gotten in the last 16 and a half years. Can't seem to get that right still. Then we have our disagreements about what should be folded and what should be hung up. That's a whole thing we got going on. And so that's a little bit of an argument. Then we have our bed making issue. See, Kelly likes the bed absolutely perfect once you get out. She wants it just absolutely made. She wants all 17,000 pillows in the right spot and the right color scheme and the right direction and the perpendicular latitude, longitude thing all taken into account for. And my technique to, to making a bed, I believe the proper technical term is called not making it. And um, so there, there's an ancient proverb that I sort of live by, and it's why make the bed each morning in haste. At bedtime, you'll realize it was only a waste. Um, and I mean, you're just going to get back in it, right? And so, you know, that's sort of the way I live life. And then, of course, there's the age-old Christmas decoration battle. And Kelly wants it up, like, beginning of December to the end of December. Well, I'll give her first week of January, and she's done. I would like it from, like, beginning of November to about July, and so we have a bit of a battle there, and I'm not going to tell you who's currently winning that battle, because I don't feel that, oh, that's weird, how did my still Christmas tree lit up in my living room end up on the screens, how strange, Uh, I guess I'm winning that battle, that's right, well, obviously, if she was healthy, that would not be up, I'll just, you know, she were in and out of the hospital, that thing would have been down, right, but there are many battles that take place, because we just both like doing certain things our own way, and there's A similar battle going on with your life and my life every single day. And that battle is between me and God. That battle is between you and God. It's you and I wanting to do our things, do things our way, and him saying, no, 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 do it this way. Do it this way. See, see, here's the battle. It's me living for God's glory or it's me living for my glory. And that's what I want to talk with you about today and next week. This, This battle between us and God trying to figure out Man, should I do things my way? Should I do things for my glory and my name and my fame? Or should I do things for his glory? Now, before we go any further, we have to define what this, this term means. What is God's glory all about? It's a little bit of like a tricky term. It's kind of like trying to grab jello. You know what I mean? It kind of go, you know, goes through your fingers. It's kind of hard to hang on to. Like, what does that mean, God's glory? So John Piper, who's this brilliant theologian, uh, says this. God's glory is God's awesomeness going public. Okay, it's, it's, so what does that mean? Even that's a little confusing, John. Thanks so much for clearing that up. Uh, basically, um, what this means is it's any time that God's awesomeness is on display. Okay, so when God shows us grace, when he shows us love, joy, when he gives us peace, when he provides for us, when he answers a prayer, when he does a miracle, when we're reading the Bible and suddenly he makes something clear to us, when we go outside and we see a sunset or a, a beautiful sunrise, and we're just blown away, like that's God's glory, that's all his glory, anything good God ever does that we get to enjoy or participate in, that is a part of being, uh, being a part of, of living for his glory, and seeing his glory, and enjoying it, okay, and so you and I have the opportunity every day of our life, we have this invitation 
to live for that, to live, to see God's glory, to enjoy God's glory, to enjoy his peace, his love, his mercy, his grace, to make it known, to make it famous to all those around us, or we can try to live for our own glory, okay? And I think we try to live for our own glory in two ways. The first way I'd say less of us struggle with. The second way I think all of us struggle with, okay? So let's talk about the first way that we tend to live for our glory. We tend to live for our glory when we're trying to make a name for ourselves, when we're trying to get our own awesome name out there, okay? Now, I don't know that everybody here in the room struggles with this, but this is when we aim at maybe some normally good things, but we do it with the wrong heart. For example, we want to be valedictorian, but for the wrong reason. It's to make our own name. Nothing wrong with being valedictorian or studying hard. Some of you guys are like, I just want to like pass college. Like, just get me through shop class and I'll be happy, all right? But some of us, right, we're trying to get our name out there instead of promoting the name of Jesus. I'm MVP on the team, best uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, parent, grandparent, best worker. I want to work up the corporate ladder and be the boss. And, and all of it is, is good. It's great. You should be the best parent, grandparent, spouse, all that good stuff. But it's when we're trying to make a name for ourselves that's a problem. When we're trying to push and promote ourselves, then that is a problem. That's us living for our own glory. And I would guess some of us in the room struggle with that but I know we all struggle with this next one. You see, the second way that I think we make uh, our own name or our own glory more important than God's is when we kind of place ourselves above God and instead of living for his glory, we create our own little gods. I think we all struggle with that. We create our, our own little gods that we begin to look to for satisfaction and pleasure and joy and happiness. And we begin to cram all types of things into our soul, hoping that something will satisfy us or please us. I think every single one of us struggles with this. And I'll just give you some examples of some of the things that maybe we do this with. And these mostly, there's two things on this list, two or three things on this list that are are bad, no matter how you look at it, right? But most of the things I'm going to talk with you about here are good things that we have just misplaced, okay? We've made them a priority over God, and therefore, they become poison. So I'll give you an example, money. Some of us are cramming money in our soul. There's nothing wrong with money. You should work hard. You should make as much money as you can, and you should be a blessing with it, right? You should bless your family, bless others, bless those in need, bless the hurting, right? And you guys, honestly, you're great at this, a lot of you, right? But Man, some of us, we are cramming money in our soul, or some of you guys are like younger high school, college students, young professionals, and you're thinking, once I get to a certain uh, amount of money, then I'll have that status or that, that pleasure or that satisfaction. Somebody once said, how much money do you need? Always a little more than you have, right? So you can start out as like a college student being like, man, if I just had like 50 grand, I would be on top of the world. And then you get the 50 grand. Man, if I had 75, and man, if I had 100, if I, if I could hit that million, right, it just keeps going, right? And so we cram money in our soul and it comes up dry. Uh, another one is sex. Sex is something that we kind of cram in our soul. And here's the interesting thing is that in church, so often you hear sex talked about in a bad way. It's gross, it's yucky, it's icky, right? All these ridiculous things that pastors say. And I want to say something tonight. It might make some of you blush. I had a parent look at his young child today and say, I wish that pastor hadn't said this, but I don't really care. Um, because here's the truth, okay? The truth is, if you listen to the podcast, I do care. But uh, the truth is, is that I believe with all my heart that Christians, married Christians, should be having the best sex out there. With all my heart, I believe this is a beautiful gift from God, okay? So no, it's not icky and gross, okay? But when we make it more important than God, when we misplace it, then it destroys pretty much everything. 
And so if you're trying to cram sex or porn into your soul, then man, that's gonna make a mess of a lot of things. So this is one of the gods we make. Another god that we kind of make to, to live for our own glory is just stuff, just having stuff. There's nothing wrong with stuff. I have stuff. If you went to my house, you'd find a bunch of stuff there, okay? There's nothing wrong, wrong with having stuff. But when I'm living for stuff, when I'm waking up for stuff, when it's what I, I, I work hard for all day so I can go get stuff and I'm, I'm not with my family like I should and I'm not providing for them their needs like I should and I'm not thinking about Jesus like I should, then it's an issue. Entertainment, this is a big struggle for me. You guys, if you've been around for a while, you've heard me talk about this, right? Entertainment, this is probably my, my easiest little God that I can create. It's just sitting on my couch watching endless hours of TV and I have to constantly say no. No, I'll enjoy some TV. I watched some TV today. In fact, I couldn't find the Mets. I was very sad. But I, I enjoyed some TV today. But man, I could so easily let that become my God. And I just want to remind us how that falls short. So these things that I've talked about on the list so far, none of them bad. But when we make them first place, they become bad. And they ruin everything else. In their proper place, these are blessings from God. These are awesome things. I'll give you a couple more. Relationships. What a beautiful thing. Many of you guys are young adults tonight, college students tonight. And some of you guys are in relationships, you know. It's always fun during the prayer time to figure out who's sitting together. Ah, I'm on to you. All right, all right. I'm going to start putting intelligent lights on certain couples. Like, oh, yeah, I see that one. Okay. I'm just kidding. We never do that. And so um, we just video record that. No, I'm just kidding. So uh, spying. It's like up in the trust. Oh, all right. Got Andrew back there with a little remote camera. I'm just kidding. It's getting really weird. Anyway, <laughs> so anywho, thinking of things that are awkward and strange and become gods in our lives. So um, do the relationships in some of our lives when we, when we decide, okay, like this is, this is him or this is her and this is right. And, and man, it, the relationship becomes unhealthy or it just becomes everything to us. It becomes absolutely everything to us. We're, we're in a little bit of a dangerous place. It's always got to be Jesus first. And then, you know, it's some of the other famous things, right? It's, for some of us, it's the drink to numb out. It's the drug to, to numb out. I just wanted to let you know, if you're wrestling with that kind of stuff tonight, you're, you're welcome here, okay? This is not us judging anybody tonight. We all have our shortcomings and our failures, okay? But here's what I want to say. If it's the drug or the drink or the porn or the, the sex, like this, this, you just can't get enough with someone who's not your partner or whatever it might be, here's what I want you to know, and I want you to hear this loud and clear. There's something going on inside of you that is broken that you're trying to find an answer for. There's something inside of you you're trying to numb out from, and God doesn't want you to numb out. He wants to heal that broken thing. And so he's so much better than the drug, the drink, the porn, or the sex because he's not just going to cover up the issue. He's going to treat what's actually going on deep inside. And so I hope what you're seeing here as we look at all these little gods we can make is that they fall short. I would say for many of you younger people in the room, somebody encouraged me today, just bring up this idea of what people think of us, right? Just, just going through life. I remember being in college, man, I cared so much about what people thought of me. Do you know how many friends I have that I had in college that I like talk to on a weekly basis? I would probably say zero. Maybe once a month on Facebook, I'll like a, you know, a college friends thing or something, or they'll like mine. And yet in that time, I lived for what people around me thought of me. And I just want you to see tonight how fleeting that whole struggle is, that whole like caring what people think and to the point that I'll do things God wouldn't want me to do. And so I hope tonight you're just seeing that all these things just so badly fall short. 
Bottom line, whether you're the, in that category of making a name for yourself because you want to be MVP or valedictorian or whatever it might be, best boss, best parent, that falls short. And if you're in that category of trying to make a God for yourself or, or enjoy some God somebody else, somebody else made and make it your own, then man, it all falls short. None of these things bring the fulfillment that we believe that they will. When I was about 20 years old, I was a youth pastor at a church in Northport, and um, I had the job of picking up a rock and roll band that was going to be playing at our church, and then after the show, I was supposed to take them back to their hotel. And so on the way back to their hotel after the show, it was a great show, and these, this band, I love them. They were a pretty popular Christian band at the time, and I was, like, I was like drooling when they came out. I was like, oh my gosh, I get to like hang out with these guys. Jim was around. He was there, and I, and I got to hang out. Jim, Jim, Jim was drooling. I was drooling. It was great. And so we just loved it. Jim ran sound that night. We just had such a great time. And then on the way back, as we're driving back, I stopped for some gas, and I tell the guy, hey, just fill it up with regular. And then on the way uh, the, the band's like, oh, can you just stop in the, in the Taco Bell and, and get us some, some food in the drive-thru? I'm like, if you want to do that to your bodies, that's your choice, man. I mean, that's up to you, right? I'll do it if you make me. But So we stop. We're in the drive-thru, and the van starts shaking. And then the van stalls out. And I'm like, what is going on? I'm freaking out. I feel like an idiot because I have these huge, you know, these guys I look up to so much in the back of the van. And all of a sudden, the lead singer, who was like, I mean, I just idolize this guy. He goes, did you put regular gas in the van? And I said, Yeah. He said, isn't this a diesel van? And I said, yeah. (laughs) Now, I had potentially destroyed a $30,000 church van because I put the wrong gas in it. And thankfully, we knew a mechanic who that night came and got it and drained the engine out. And we called that van Lazarus because it came back from the dead. And I was so glad because my dad would have killed me had I destroyed a $33,000 van. And someone ran into that singer years later and said, hey, you remember playing that show on Long Island? He was kind of like, oh, not really, you know. And he's like, he's like oh, you remember that guy with the, oh, the idiot with the van? Yes, I, I do remember that. Yes, I do. But what happened that night? Well, I had tried to ram regular gas in the engine, and it was supposed to run on diesel. And I'm telling you, that's what so many of us do in life. We're living trying to ram regular in our heart. Everybody's doing, you know, porn. Everybody's doing stuff and money. Everybody's doing entertainment and sports and music and relationships and what people think. Everybody's doing that. That's regular. And we all ram the regular stuff in our heart. You were meant to live on diesel. Something so much more powerful. And when you get that right, when we understand that there is such a difference in the way we live, we were meant to live for a greater glory. We were meant to live for a greater glory than stuff and music and entertainment and sex and all these things that God's given us. And all those things are good gifts. That's okay. We should enjoy them. But man, we have to not make them number one. Now, as I talk with you about living for God's glory and not your own, um, I have to say something. I have to start with the words, no offense, okay? Now, I find in life, when someone starts a sentence with no offense, I'm about to be greatly offended, right? It's like someone coming to you and saying, no pain, and then punching you in the nose, right? It just doesn't work, right? And so I have to start out my sentence with these words, no offense, but your glory and your name are too small to live for. Same is true for me. Our glory, it's just too small to live for. Making my name famous or, or making my little gods, it's just too little to live for. There's something so much greater. And so tonight, this is not an attack against you and me. I understand, I'm talking about some of the things we love. I don't want you to think I'm attacking you or those things. What this is, is it's an invitation into actual satisfaction and pleasure, not just the fake thing, not just the, the little God you and I can make or that someone else created. 
No, this is a fight for our satisfaction and our joy and our pleasure in God. If you're not a follower of Jesus, we love that you are in the room. We're so glad that you guys are here. And I think, man, this message applies to you 100% like it would anybody else in the room because you are probably really trying to hunt down some satisfaction and pleasure as well, right? You're really, really on that hunt. You are searching for what is going to make your soul be satisfied, and maybe you've been running on regular and you should be running on diesel. Maybe you've been doing life like everybody around you and you've been thinking, why aren't I getting the results I want? Well, maybe it's because you were meant to live for a greater glory. And so tonight we're gonna look at Isaiah 43. You guys can open your apps or open your Bibles, look at it, or the verses will be on the screen if you want to look there. But this is so cool because Isaiah is gonna talk, and really it's God speaking through Isaiah, All these verses are written really from the perspective of God to us. And what's cool is, is the people that Isaiah is writing to were struggling with the exact same things we're struggling with. Making a name for themselves and making their own little gods. And God here just kind of calls all that out. And so let's look at Isaiah 43 verses 6 and 7 to start out. It says this, Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who's called by my name, whom I created for my glory. So there it is. Why were you created? What are you here for? You are here for God's glory. You were created to live for his glory, to champion his awesomeness, to enjoy who he is and respond to it, to help others find out how awesome and beautiful and wonderful he is. That's why you and I are here. Now, some of you guys might be objecting to this, kind of saying, well, who is God to tell me why I'm here? Right? So God just gets to decide why I'm here. God gets to tell me that I'm here for his glory. And I have to live for his glory. Who has God to tell me that? Well, we're going to look at this next slide. And it adds five really important words at the end. But let's read it again, starting in verse 6. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who's called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Why does God get to tell you and I why we're here and what our purpose is? Two reasons. The first one is not incredibly inspiring, but it's true. The first one is God made you. God made you. And so he gets to tell you why you're here. God formed you. And so he gets to tell you what your purpose is. He gets to tell you what you're here to live for. Now, I'm going to give you an illustration tonight that is really kind of dumb. I'm full of dumb illustrations tonight, by the way. But but this this is tough, okay? Because there's no other way for me to illustrate this. I thought about this. I wrestled with this. I thought of every other avenue I could take, and there's just no other way. The, the reason this is so hard for me is because I have to get you to imagine something that I create revolting against me, okay? Now, unless we're going Terminator on this where the machines revolt and, and wage war on us all, okay, I can't create something that develops a personality and comes back at me. Are we all on the same page with that? So we have to use our imaginations here a little bit, all right? Dumb illustration. When I was about seven years old, I made a napkin dispenser for my parents, At school, we carved it out of wood, and then we sanded it, and then we put stain on it, and it sat on our kitchen table as the napkin dispenser for years and years. I was very proud of this napkin dispenser. Now, here's the really stupid, dumb part, okay? There was never a day where I walked into my kitchen, and my napkin dispenser started talking to me and said, you know, I I really would rather be a toaster, if that's okay. Never happened. Really dumb. I know, guys, right? There, There was never a day I walked downstairs and looked at the table and there were no napkins in there, but there was like a couple pieces of like untoasted bread. Like, like, buddy, what are you trying to do there? Never happened, right? You know why it never happened? Well, first of all, because it's a silly story and a silly illustration, but, but also because I created that thing. It's gonna be a napkin dispenser. That's what it's there for. I made it. 
And so because I created it, I get to define it and tell why I created it in the first place. And so God gets to do that for us. Now, that's not an inspiring answer, though. It's true, but it's not inspiring. But let's get to the inspiring answer. You know why you and I are here to live for God's glory? You know why it's amazing news that you were created to live for God's glory? Because living for God's glory is better than living for anything else. That's the amazing God that we have. The amazing God that we have didn't just say, live for my glory because it's right. Live for my glory because you should. No, he says, live for my glory because to live for my glory means you're gonna live to see how awesome I am, how loving I am, how full of grace and joy and peace and mercy I am. You're gonna be satisfied in the creation that, that you see at night. You look up at the stars, you get out there. Uh, and I'm not terribly satisfied with the freezing winds today, Lord. Okay, I'll be honest about that one. But, but you get to enjoy all that God is. And I'm telling you, we're going to see in these verses as we go, living for the glory of anything or anyone else just doesn't compare to that. It's running on regular. And so it is amazing news that you get to live for the glory of God. The people in Isaiah's day, instead of living for God's glory, instead of living to make his name famous, they decided, you know what, let's make our own little gods. And you guys, if you've been in church for, for a while, you've, you've heard about this, right? They carved idols. They carved their own little gods out of wood or whatever. And then they would bow down to these gods. They would cut themselves and say, take notice. Like, why aren't you paying attention to us? They would sacrifice their children to these gods. It was crazy what they would do. And though you and I don't go to those lengths, we still have our own little gods today. And, and I just want to remind you how how short they really fall. And so, like I said earlier, maybe we make sex our God, which I said, sex is this beautiful, awesome, wonderful gift from God. But when we misuse it, we realize it doesn't satisfy like we thought it would. Maybe it does for a little while, but it stops, doesn't it? And so we see that just doesn't satisfy our hearts and our souls like we would. What about what people think of me? Like I said earlier, that is so fleeting. That is so short lived. I would guarantee there are people in your life that you once thought the world of and what they thought mattered so much to you that you did something that today you regret doing. It's probably true of every one of us in this place. And I would guess for most of us, we're not even friends with that person anymore that pressured us into it in the first place. Fleeting. Some of us, it's our sport or our entertainment. Again, I love watching sports. I love watching movies and stuff. But can, can we all just agree on something? My TV cannot heal my wife right now, Right? I need someone way bigger than a TV to satisfy the needs of my life right now. And so do you. Some of you guys have maybe turned to the pill or to the drug or to the porn or whatever it means. It might, might be. And again, I just want to reiterate that there is something God wants to heal in you, not just allow you to numb out. That satisfaction wants to run so deep in you and me. Some of the parents in the room, you know what we do? We make a God, a little God out of our kids some of the grandparents out of our grandkids. And you know what happens? Instead of being the parents God's called us to be, we kind of try to win them over as friends. And we end up letting them kind of do what they want. And maybe that works for a little while, but in 10 years when they hit the real world, they're a mess. And so are you seeing that every time we take something and we misplace it, we put it higher than God, it pretty much makes a huge mess of everything. And so God is saying here, hey, Live for my glory, not just because you should, but because you were made that way, because I formed you and I get to tell you why you're here. But 
just as equally important is I want your soul to be satisfied. And all these other things, while many of them are good and are blessings and may put a smile on your face and may entertain you and may make you laugh and may bring you some temporary joy, they're not going to satisfy your soul. And so then in verse 8, God gets into comparing himself with the idols that these people had made. And so we're going to look at this. He says in verse 8, lead out those who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. And so what is God doing here? He's helping the people. He's going, okay, guys, bring out all your idols. Bring them all out. Bring them out. Let me see them all. Okay, cool. That's great. They have eyes, but they can't see anything. They have eyes because you carved them in when you were making that thing out of wood. And you, they, they have some ears. You guys carved in some ears, but they can't hear. And so here's what I want you to think about for a second. I don't know if as I've been talking tonight, you've started to think about what your little God is, that thing you've created or somebody else has created, and you're, you've kind of scooped it up and tried to get that, that satisfaction from it. I don't know if you've been thinking about that, but I want you to think about it right now. And I want you to ask the, this question to that, to that little God. Does it, does it have eyes that see the deepest needs of your life? Does it have ears that hear the deepest issues of your heart? And, and can it make a difference ultimately as you cry out to it? I mean, even if it's a person that does have eyes and has ears, it can't do much when you're broken. It can't do much when you're sick. It can't do much when you don't know what decision to make about the next stage of life. You need something in someone so much greater than God. And so I think our gods fall short, our little gods fall short because they don't have eyes that can see and they don't have ears that can hear like we need them to. Verse nine, all the nations gather together and the people assemble. Which of their gods foretold this and proclaimed to us the former things? What's God saying here? He's saying, okay, so let's, we got all the gods gathered, right? How many of them knew what was gonna happen today? How many of them could have told, told you what was gonna happen today? Like could have predicted the future, right? God's going, well, I, I can. I can, that, that makes me different than everybody else. In fact, not only do I know what's gonna happen in your future, I'm writing your future. And not only do I know what's going to happen in your future, I'm going to hold you and carry you through your future. And I guarantee none of our gods, our little gods here today, are going to do that for us. I was talking with the guy after the manly brunch yesterday, and I said, hey, what are you doing for the rest of the day? And he was like, I have no idea. I was like, okay. And he's like, I'll probably go home. My wife will give me, like, the honeydew list. I'll get to work. Okay, so you don't don't even know what you're going to do the rest of the day. How could your God know? How could your little God at home know? But the one true God knows and sees and writes it all. Next part, he says, let them bring in their witnesses to prove they were right so that others may hear and say it is true. In other words, he's saying, okay, so if your little gods could have told the future, get all the witnesses, line up all the witnesses. You must have a bunch of people that can verify that your gods knew what was gonna happen in the future and predicted it accurately. Oh, no, wait, God's being kind of sarcastic here, I think. He's like, oh, wait, I'm the only one that can do that. So all those other gods fall short. Hmm, interesting. And then he goes on in verse 10. He says, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. God says, I'm the one that can do this. I have eyes that can see. I have ears that can hear the deepest needs of your heart. I can tell you the future. Then he goes on. Before me, no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. I love this. God, again, is just placing himself apart. First off, God wasn't formed. And then he's saying, okay, so let's just think about this. He's saying, I formed you, and then you formed gods. And now, instead of worshiping me who formed you, you're worshiping the gods you formed. Hmm, how's that working for you? And I just think about all the things you and I can create. And man, technology's cool, nothing wrong with that. 
some pretty cool toys out there we can buy. And I, I like to go on my certain websites and look at some cool stuff. And, oh, man, that'd be cool to have one day. And that's okay. But at the end of the day, if my hope is in that, man, we are in serious trouble. And then after God has shown us, he's got eyes that see and ears that hear, and he can tell the future, and he's a God that wasn't formed when all the other ones were, he kind of clinches it with this next part. In verse 11, he says, I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me, there is no Savior. Apart from me, there's no Savior. And I think the biggest test for all our little gods is to look at them for what they are and say, can you save me? Like, I have a sinful, dead heart. Can you bring that back to life? Did your TV ever get on the cross for you? Did that person that you've idolized ever get on the cross for you? Has, has sex ever gotten on the cross for you? Has your, your relationship, has, has porn, has, I mean, has any of these gods we turn to, stuff, money, video games, all the toys out there, has any of that given its life for you and me? course not and so jesus is alone our savior and so i hope tonight that as you guys are looking at this as you're just kind of comparing your little gods with the one true god you're you're arriving at this decision that all of them fall short that none of them compare that none of them satisfy and they're blessings many of them and they're good things many of them but they can't be number one I hope that as you think and pray about that thing in your life, you'd be willing to kind of put it on the scales and say, okay, God's over here and, and my little God's over here. How do they really truly compare? And the truth I want you to see as we've looked at all this tonight is that we're meant to live for a greater glory than our own. You were created to live for a greater glory than your own. And so if you've been trying to make a name for yourself relinquish that. Can I just plead with you to relinquish that and let go of that? That is so empty. That is so fleeting. And what I have found is that when I am aiming at being the best spouse, the best dad, the best pastor, right? When I do that for me, many things go wrong. But when I begin to say, I want to be the best pastor, the best dad, the best spouse to glorify God, I'm a better pastor, better spouse, better dad then. And so when you begin to say, all right, God, you first, then watch all the other stuff line up. It's amazing. That's what Matthew 6 says, right? Seek him first, and then he'll give you all the other stuff you need. But get him first again. One of the ways that I know I could struggle with this as a pastor is is I could just try to do ministry, trying to make a name for myself or for our church, you know? And and I just know how empty that is. You you know what? In two weeks, Joey's going to be speaking And he's going to do an incredible job. God's going to use him powerfully in your night. God doesn't need me on the stage. You're going to hear from Andrew this year. You're going to hear from Kelly when she gets better. God does not need Doug on the stage to move. And so my role is not to make my name famous or this church famous. My my role is to, to make Jesus famous. And when I do that, then watch God use me and watch him use our staff and watch him use our church in ways he never could have or would have had we been trying to make our name famous. It's just so different. One of the thoughts that I've written down, and we've talked about this as a staff, is just this thought for us as a church. We've decided that we have to ask this question. How can we be the most effective church for God's kingdom without worrying about what person or church gets the credit? Like, what would it look like to be that church that just does what's going to honor Jesus no matter what church or ministry gets the credit? So if, if Smithtown Gospel ends up getting the credit or Grace Church or, or True North or Genesis or Centerpoint Church or Wisconsin Christian Church or... 
and we all come together, we do something. Let's say our, our church puts 90% of the effort in and somehow they get the credit. God gets the credit at the end of the day. And so for me, that's, that's what this looks like. What does it look like for you? If you're trying to make a name for yourself, what does it look like to relinquish that and still do excellent, still be excellent at what you do, but with the goal of making a name for Jesus and not for yourself? Maybe that's something to think about and pray through and talk to somebody about. Because, man, it just it brings such freedom. There's such a weight on me when I'm worried about me in this church. And there's such a freedom when I let all that go. And so let Jesus be in that top spot. What about the gods that we make? Let's talk about that for a minute. If, if you and I are looking at the money, the sex, the stuff, the entertainment, the alcohol, the drugs, the sports, the music, what people think of us, all these different things, and we compare them with God, I think we're gonna begin to find that all those other things work themselves out too, right? I've found that when I'm living for TV, I don't really enjoy it. You know, just another terrible illustration tonight, but there are times when I'm living for TV and it's kind of like cramming a bunch of Cheetos down your mouth over and over and over again when you really need like a great salad, you know? Like, just give me a salad. These are my deep illustrations tonight. I know, I know. Thank you very much, guys. And, and, And I'll tell you, Sometimes when you get that salad and you just like, ah, oh, that, that, that's good. That nourished me. Now I'll have some Cheetos and I'll actually enjoy them, right? And I think so often, it's like I'm cramming TV in my heart and God's going, how about you put me at number one again? And then when I'm satisfied in him, I sit back and watch a little TV and I find I enjoy it way more because everything's in the right order. And I would guess the same would be true for you. As you put sex in its right place, money in its right place, stuff in its right place, video games in their right place, music in its right place, entertainment, all that stuff, all these great things that God's given us in their right place, you'll actually end up enjoying them more than when you were making them number one. And so what little God do you have in your life that you need to bring to him? So so we're talking about living for God's glory. And and, and next week, we're going to jump in way deeper. And and maybe some of you guys are like, man, I just really feel like I need to be motivated, though. Like, I want you to be honest with yourself and with God tonight. Maybe you would say, I don't enjoy spending time with God like I enjoy watching movies. I don't enjoy spending time with God like I do hanging out with my boyfriend or girlfriend. I don't enjoy spending time with God like I do working hard for money. And and here's the beautiful thing we're going to look at next week is that God wants you to enjoy glorifying him. And we're going to look at what all that looks like next week. And that's the beautiful God that we have. He wants us to enjoy what we were created to do. God didn't have to do that. He could have made us just to do it, and that's the end of the story, and kind of the old thing your parents used to say that you hated, because I said so, you're going to do this, right? But no. Instead, he said, I've called you and created you to live for my glory, and I've, the, the, the greatest way you can do that is by enjoying me. And we're going to really dive into that next week. But what this looks like for this week, is just simply putting Jesus back in first place. What would it look like to have him in that top spot again? What needs to move? Maybe some things need to be completely removed, but others need to just be slid down a bit. Somebody once said that the thing God wants most from us is our attention. So what would it look like to give Jesus his attention back this week? And then to enjoy all the blessings that he's given. Sometimes we get so focused on the gifts he's given, we miss the giver. And so how can we get just focused back on the giver this week? And if you don't like to read your Bible, you don't like to pray, you don't like to come to church, you don't like to go to community group, you don't like to do these things that tend to give us that closeness with God and get him back in that place, then would you pray about that? God hates that we don't like to read the Bible. He wants us to love to read the Bible. God doesn't want us to hate praying. 
He wants us to love that. And so that's an answer, answer to prayer you're gonna get when you say, Jesus, help me just to love being with you. God, help me to love being with people who love you. And for some of you guys, I just, can I just free you up a little bit? And next week we're gonna talk more about this, but for some of you, you're like, man, just sitting in my room with my Bible open, that just seems like torture. And for some of you guys, you love that. That's okay, if you love that, do it. But for some of us, we just need to be freed up to say, go on a walk, right? Go on a hike, get on your bike, go you know, ride somewhere, and just spend that time with God. This isn't about being cooped up in a room somewhere if that's not your style. God's everywhere, and he goes everywhere with us. And there have been so many times where I've been so out of shape and so bent over something going on in life and just discouraged and broken about it, and I just go on my little prayer walk thing around the neighborhood, and I come back completely transformed because I've spent that time with Jesus. And so for me, it's not always about just being cooped up in a little room. Some of you guys have long commutes. I was talking with a guy this week. He's just been listening to the scripture, have the radio on, be praying. Like this, this looks, however you are wired, to relate to God. He wants to speak to you through many different things in many different environments in many different ways. And so getting him back in that top spot is so important. If you're not a follower of Jesus, he wants you to know him. He wants you to be his. And he, he sent his son Jesus, to die on the cross for you so that you could know him and have forgiveness of sin and satisfaction and fulfillment in life. And so if you want to put your trust in him today, I would encourage you to do that in just a minute when I give you an opportunity. But man, for all those of us followers of Jesus, this isn't a chastisement. This is an invitation to really live, to live for that greater glory. Our glory is too small. The little gods we make are too weak. We're meant to live for a greater glory than our own. Let's pray. So God, we thank you so much that your desire is to satisfy us and please us. And so often we fall short of that because we're thinking we're gonna be satisfied by things that just can't ever do it. And so I pray you'd help us, God. I pray that you would be with us and that you, God, would let us love being with you. Let us enjoy being with you. Let it be the thing we look forward to in our day. Let it be the thing that we can't wait to get to that point of our day where we get to spend time in your word or spend time praying or spend time coming to church and being together, whatever it might be. But God, help us. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you just pray and just ask God, God, am I trying to make my own name? And God, what would it look like to live for your glory, to make your name famous? Maybe pray, God, what little gods have I tried to create that just don't satisfy me when all is said and done? And God, would you satisfy my heart? Would you be the thing that excites me more than anything else? If you're not a follower of Jesus, I just wanna give you a chance to put your trust in him tonight. And so if you'd like to look to him as your savior, maybe you could just pray something like this. Jesus, thank you so much for dying on the cross for me. And thank you that you want my heart to be satisfied. You want my soul to be full. And so God, would you begin to do that for me? Please forgive me for my sin. Please show me how real you are and transform me. Thank you for your incredible love for me. And thank you that none of my little gods in my own name are nothing compared to your incredible glory. In your name I pray, amen.